Well, if you're tired of Super Bowl recaps, this is probably not the show that you want to be at today. Welcome into the show, Power on a Monday. Talk amongst you, the new WMUN. We have a lot to recap. As it relates to last night, yes, Chiefs three in five years. Third time that they are Super Bowl champions with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback. And I hate to break it to the rest of the NFL and maybe more specifically the AFC. For the distant, distant future, you always have to go through Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, um, Indianapolis slash Indiana sports have had this kind of issue, right, running into greats of all time. First, it was Michael Jordan with Reggie Miller. Then it was Tom Brady with Peyton Manning. And really, Andrew Luck with Peyton Manning, if you want to go that route as well. In the 2010s, it was LeBron James twice. And while they haven't, they met once in a postseason game in 2018. Um, you know, um, you're going to have to go through Patrick Mahomes for the for, for for the foreseeable future. And you know, I think that's what it comes down to. And you know, it's it's not necessarily to put any um, singular focus on one player, but you know, in sports, we really don't appreciate greatness enough. We don't. And you may be tired of hearing it today of all the comments about Patrick Mahomes and how great he is and how they did it again and how it's the third in five years and they're starting to enter the territory of the New England Patriots. But, folks, what he's doing at 28 years old, man, is flat out ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. And let me add one more thing to this. And this is what I thought about last night. I was driving home from Noblesville. We got together with some friends last night. Um, Had a great time watching it. And, you know, while others, when the Super Bowl comes on, um, if you're not around a group of people that watch sports like maybe we analyze it on this program or whatever the case may be, that bugs people. I just love the fact that for for one night, there is an appointment television aspect to sports, and the Super Bowl is unmatched in that regard. And your intentions of watching the Super Bowl are different than everybody else. Shoot, my wife was excited about the halftime show, and that's fine. That's great. But you sat down, you sat down for four and a half hours, got together with, with people and enjoyed it. Now, I, I get it. You know, if you're a if you're a diehard sports fan, you don't necessarily want to be around people that are, uh, you know, not watching the game like you watch the game and maybe even talking during the game. Oh, goodness. But uh, I had a blast last night. It was awesome. But I was driving home and I was thinking about the significance of this one for the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL in general. And I'll say it this way, you know. Patrick Mahomes, and if you think about it, Tom Brady the same way too. Patrick Mahomes has won three Super Bowls in three different ways with three very different football teams. Do you remember last week when we were talking about this and and the the, the expert opinion that I am? Look, I I feel like I know enough. I don't know as much as they know, and I don't know as much as if you were covering this team, but from 
watching this team because obviously in this market we see the Kansas City Kansas City Chiefs in the four o'clock window a lot. So usually they are the team following the Colts game at one o'clock or that's the way it seemed to kind of be structured this year. So I feel like I've watched enough Kansas City Chiefs football this year to kind of watch why they went on this run. Why in the middle of the season you're sitting there and now they're Super Bowl champions and the two and two together, by the way, it made me just so darn excited to watch analysts lose their minds last night because the same analysts that are calling Patrick Mahomes one of the greatest players ever are the same ones back in early December that buried this football team and I get that I've gone through this time and time again that I'm happy about but it it, it just <laughs> is, is this bad to say it warms my heart <laughs> that, that the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl because we don't let things play out. We just react. And the team they were in December and the team they are now, it is very different. But they simplified things, man. They absolutely simplified things. And you know what? They simplified things in the fourth quarter. What they did in the first three quarters and what they did in the fourth quarter, you could see a total difference. They adjusted They were using quarterback read options. You know, it got to the point where Patrick Mahomes was dropping back one read. If it wasn't there, he was tucking and running. Because of all the attention that was coming at him in the pass rush, he just stepped up and took off. Had over 60 yards rushing, including a big one that set up the game-winning touchdown. You know, they simplified things. But when I think about Patrick Mahomes and this football team in particular with the Kansas City Chiefs, think about your number one uh, or, or your number two when they won or, or they they lost in 2018 to the Patriots, and then uh, they won the Super Bowl against the Niners back in 2019. If you think about that particular team, they were a team filled with playmakers. You know, Travis Kelsey was at his peak. Tyree Kill was at its peak. Uh, they had three or four running backs that were all big play. They had the Williams uh, brothers. They weren't brothers, but you called them the Will- Damian and um, I can't remember the other guy, uh, the, 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 the other Williams' first name. But they were big play oriented. And it wasn't until they got Tyree Kill loose in the fourth quarter that they finally were able to come back and win that football game. They won that one that way. And then last year against Philadelphia, they won in a shootout. I mean, it was basically who was going to have the football last. A mid-30s football game that ended on a field goal, but it was back and forth. It was offensive ridiculousness on both sides of the football. They won it that way. And then they won last night where they could not get anything going San Francisco had them bottled up bottled up for three quarters shoot three and a half quarters and it still didn't matter because Patrick Mahomes didn't really chunk it deep last night didn't need to but he was smart enough to understand that at some point it was going to break and to have the patience and to not get overzealous he made a bad mistake he did he was trying to push it down the field and you know you have that kind of mindset right when you're in that moment that hey do I push the issue here because the opportunities are thinner and thinner and thinner as you get later in the football game and after that interception I think he reset himself 
I basically said, you know what, I'm going to take what the defense gives me, and I have a feeling here in the fourth quarter we're going to get loose. And they did. I mean, after the fumble, um, it was it, drive after drive after drive was score, score, score. And, you know, the big field goal to send it to overtime and then uh, the 75-yard drive to cap it. But he has won this thing, and the Kansas City Chiefs have won this thing with three di- very different football teams. And I don't think there's any question about this, folks. This is what should scare the AFC. That's the worst football team that they will have winning at any level. I mean, their best wide receiver was a fourth-round rookie. uh, Travis Kelsey wasn't even a factor last night until the fourth quarter. Isaiah Pacheco is good. He's not great. He's a nice piece. He's a guy that you can get 60 yards from on 15 carries. He might have a touchdown. He might have a couple of catches. He is by far not a dynamic running back. But it all works because of the dude under center. I mean, you guys might be tired of hearing it, tired of hearing about the greatness, tired about all of this. Man, this show should be in Kansas City today, apparently. I don't know. But I got to tell you, it gave me so much satisfaction for fans to just write off this football team analysts to write off this football team in December I don't care how get how bad it got they were still in the dance they were still in the playoffs they had a home football game in the wild card round and they won that you got to knock off the champs to beat them Patrick Mahomes has lost to two quarterbacks in the playoffs Tom Brady twice and Joe Burrow I mean it is insane I mean it's just flat out crazy right it really, really is. And folks, I hate to tell you, if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan here, hate to tell you this, but Patrick Mahomes is the next guy that you're going to have to go through for everything in the AFC. And, you know, I, I look at last night, and just like every other football team that's out there, I mean, there's probably a couple of teams that say, oh, my gosh, I mean, what if Detroit was there? What if Dallas was there? What, But... I think for the majority of other franchises, you watched that game last night and you said, my goodness, are you a ways away? Because those are two really good defenses. San Francisco came to play, and they made life very difficult for Patrick Mahomes, and Kansas City's defense is never going to get the credit they deserve. I mean, just won't. And you know what was interesting about that? Is the secondaries played incredibly well you know the pressure that Patrick Mahomes was dealing with in the first half in the third quarter yeah I mean the front got to him and and made him speed up his clock a little bit but there were several moments of coverage where there was nowhere to go nowhere to go and you know what I thought of I thought of the Indianapolis Colts I did. I thought of the Indianapolis Colts in that moment. Because how many times have we talked about this secondary and the attention of the secondary and not having veteran or resources put towards this secondary? We're talking about fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks. Well, Jarius Sneed was a draft pick two or three years ago by Kansas City. Trent McDuffie was a first round draft pick. I mean, Kansas City has invested in that secondary to be great. And they delivered last night. 
I mean, they just absolutely they, they have all season long. But in the biggest of moments, you could go across the board at that secondary and go draft pick, draft pick, draft pick, draft pick. And we talked about it. I mean, you think in this day and age in football, you can't cover. It's just a matter of time before it gets loose. And maybe that's true. But I, I, I don't know. Kansas City won that football game because of their defense and because of their secondary. San Francisco had the lead because of what their defense did. That was not an offensive show last night. As great as San Francisco and dynamic they are, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs took away Debo Samuel. George Kittle had one catch. Um, Brandon Ayuk had two 20-plus yard plays. That's about it. It was Jawan Jennings for San Francisco that Kansas City said, yeah, you know what? If you beat us with Jawan Jennings, so be it. Unbelievable. I mean, it was it was a master class of defense last night. So while others may not have enjoyed the first three quarters of that football game, I sure did. I thought it was outstanding. I, I, th- I thought the defensive football last night was fantastic. Fantastic, But you can't deny it, folks. I'm going to bring up the same conversation again. I get so tired of sports media just absolutely burying an opportunity before it even happens. Like, I, I've never seen a champion like the Kansas City Chiefs, no, ba- no matter how bad they've been, <laughs> be written off like they were in December before they ever played a postseason game. And I know you can shake your head and say, well, that's how they're playing. you got to call it as you see it. Yeah, but it was like, it was an afterthought. Oh, of course Baltimore is going to win the AFC. I mean, there were many, many, many people that took Buffalo over Kansas City. You know? Why can't we just sit there and just say, you know what, hey, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs have been given the benefit of the doubt that they just enter the playoffs and they are a problem. You know, they are a factor. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of respect given to them. And you know what, I, get, I, I, I like you get tired of this. You know, when they go to the podium at the end of it, and like last year was ridiculous, when <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey went to the microphone, and they said, everybody doubted us all year with Tyree Kill gone. And, you know, we want – they were the number one seed. They had every home playoff game, and they, they, they ran the table. I mean, there's no disrespect there. You, you quickly realize that Kansas City was for real last year. This year, they can flat out say whatever the heck they want. Nobody believed in us. Everybody left us for dead because it's true. We wrote off this story. Sports media wrote off this story. I did not. I said it on this program. I said, until further notice, Kansas City is still my AFC pick. I've said that from start. I've said that all year long. I will continue to say it. I've never wavered. Because you earn that respect when you do the things that this football team has done. And I hate to tell you this, but your path to uh, to an AFC championship game or whatever the case may be is through Patrick Mahomes for the very, very far future. And, you know, again, you got to worry about your division first, getting in the playoffs if you're the Indianapolis Colts. I get that. I totally understand that. But there's just a level there, man, that uh, you are way far away from. I mean, incredibly far away from. 
Now, I like the coach. I want to see more of the quarterback. I like the fact you got a, a running game with Jonathan Taylor. You've got some nice pieces. But you are far away, man. You, you are. Now, everything is made right when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. So, shoot, if Anthony Richardson works out, then maybe you, you can put yourself in that category. But, man, there, there's really only one other quarterback or, or actually two other quarterbacks that I would put in that, in that stratosphere, and it would be Joe Burrow because he's beaten Patrick Mahomes once, and uh, I'd take my chances with Josh Allen. I, I, I absolutely would. But goodness gracious, that was quite a show last night. And you know what? Who cares if you win pretty? Because they did not. They, they did not win pretty last night. But Kansas City, that is, the, that, that is more than likely the worst football team that they will win a championship with. And who knows how many more they'll win. Because three in five years is quite a deal. I mean, that is quite a deal. And may I remind you again, like I said about 10 minutes ago, the only two, the only two quarterbacks that Patrick Mahomes has lost to, Tom Brady and Joe Burrow <laughs> in the playoffs. I mean, that is insane. That, that is flat out insane. So Kansas City wins the Super Bowl, and we are officially in the NFL offseason. Yay! Oh, man, the same old stories are going to keep uh, uh, percolating week after week after week, and here we go. But at the end of the day, folks, you're chasing one team, and you're chasing the Kansas City Chiefs, and it doesn't matter. Uh, San Francisco's doing that too. I mean, th- San Francisco was by far the more talented football team, and it still didn't matter. It still didn't matter. By far, San Francisco was the more talented team. They had more playmakers, more pass rushers, more ways to win. And yet at the end of the day, even with a 75-yard drive ahead of them, Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City did it again. So you're probably tired of the story, but they're darn good at what they do, man. They, they really are. So fun last night to watch. Uh, it's not going to be so fun for the AFC. I'm just telling you that over the next several years. But it was outstanding uh, to, to, to watch the overtime and how it uh, ended up in uh, perfection at the end from a uh, execution standpoint by the Kansas City Chiefs. And we are on to the NFL offseason. So uh, we're going to run down a bit of Ball State sports. By the way, thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. Appreciate that very much. Um, we're going to talk some Ball State sports coming up here in a little bit. Uh, high school sports. We're going to get into this a little bit later in the week. Um, but it was released today from the IHSA. Uh, the new enrollment numbers, by the way, we are going to a totally new structure as it comes to classes, and it's based on enrollment. Those were released today, so there'll be some reaction to that. We might dive into a little bit of that later this week. Um by the way, big big congratulations to the Delta Wrestling again, a semi-state championship, the first time since 1991. So last week a regional, the week before sectional, and they've won a semi-state, and they might have a chance. Now, obviously the wrestling state finals is a little bit interesting because it obviously depends on how many uh, wrestlers you have to compete for a team championship, but it's possible. 
for them to be in the mix for a team championship, which, I mean, would just be spectacular. But it has been one heck of a year, and that program continues to push forward. But um, I believe I was told today it's six wrestlers heading to the state level. I could have that wrong, but I want to make sure we shout them out right at the top of the show. First time since 1991 that uh, Delta has won a semi-state championship of wrestling. That is flat-out awesome. It is also the week that we have the All-Star festivities in downtown Indianapolis. We'll talk about the significance of that. Pacers had a nice win over the weekend against the New York Knicks. So I know everybody's a little sleepy today. If you stayed up for the entirety of that one last night, I mean, it, you know, wasn't that late, but um, I was down in the Indianapolis area, had to drive back 45 minutes to an hour, and yeah, it, you know what, we're, we're a little scratchy today, but we're, we're, we're pushing through because uh, obviously I love appointment television. Uh, I love appointment sports television, to be more exact, and that's exactly what we had last night. So big win for Ball State women's basketball to get back on the winning track Ball State men's basketball, um, tough result against Texas State. Um, some comments from uh, Ball State men's basketball coach Michael Lewis um, in a Zoom uh, interview after the game from the Ball State Daily News. We'll talk a little bit about those comments coming up here in a little bit as well. So a lot to get to on the show today on this Reaction Monday. We have high school basketball tomorrow, by the way. Uh, Muncie Central travels to Yorktown as the uh, boys' basketball season winds down over the next couple of weeks in the regular season. And then it will be tournament action. So a lot to get to today. Stay with us. It is a Monday edition of The Power. Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. All right, welcome back in. We're brought to you in part by Walls Furniture and Mattress. Nebo Road and Monsey online at wallsfurniture.com. 90% of what's on the showroom for in stock for you 48 hours or less. That is the Walls Furniture and Mattress difference on Nebo Road right here in Muncie and online at wallsfurniture.com. Calls welcome at any time, 765-287-1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter as well so uh nice win for ball state women's basketball they got the win yesterday against james madison and did so in uh pretty uh, smooth fashion if you will and you could feel like obviously what occurred on uh, earlier in the week the loss to northern illinois just wanted to get back out there and and, and get back on the winning track which they did um and, and looked a lot more like themselves and I, i'm gonna say this Okay. And and this is for me, you know, I, I've talked to coaches a lot over the years about when you're in the midst of a winning streak and everything's rolling, and we may have even, even talked about this a little bit last week, and that is, um, uh, is there a time to reset when you are rolling like you're rolling? You don't want to lose, but does this provide um, a little bit of a reset a little bit of a, okay, hey, um, you know what? Hey, th- there's opportunities when we go out there that we, we, we could uh, fall. And, you know, I, and I get that. Um, you never want to say, like, hey, you want to have a loss because it can kind of break up the monotony. But, um, and, and all those things considered, um, I, I think Ball State is much more what they've 
you know, been doing than what occurred last week. And um, you can have one of those happen every once in a while. So uh, Ball State women's basketball, um, uh, again, a, a very nice win as they uh, as they kind of roll forward here. So uh, their next matchup um, comes the way of a matchup with Ohio. Uh, and that's uh, a noon tip on Saturday at uh, in Ohio, in Athens, Ohio. So uh, next matchup for Ball State women's basketball, a little slight uh, break of action right there. Now over to the men's side who uh, falls to Texas State in the Mid-American Conference Sun Belt Challenge second round games. And by the way, that was what uh, Ball State women's basketball was competing competing in as well um and um you know michael lewis kind of made um his thoughts known about um you know does it make sense about the 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 mid-american conference sunbelt challenge all of that to be said but clearly you know with the loss that ball state had last week against ohio and this one against texas state um you know, th- uh, th- this is what uh, Coach Lewis had to say. The consistency of how we operate on both ends of the court is not where it needs to be. Uh, we're up 13-4 to in the opening minutes, and everybody's hooting and hollering, and they think things are easy, right? Then a turnover comes, or we miss a shot here, and we start breaking down when we're in transition. And, and that's... Um, you know, that, that's the part of this team that I think fans have started to try to wrap their minds around, okay? Uh, tried to wrap their minds around, hey, um, you know, um, it, it felt like a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about it here, it felt like a couple of weeks ago that this team had kind of settled into who they were. Um, guard play and playing as a team and look the the hard part is this like I I feel like individually players have gotten better like I I, I clearly think that uh, Jalen Anderson has gotten better Davion Bailey's gotten better Uh, Bashir Jihad certainly has he's had an all mid-american conference type of year and you know Trent Middleton Jr. has really kind of made his presence felt as well the kind of the first guy off the bench for the team but yet all of those things in isolation are great, but how do you com- how does it combine as a team? And it, it sounds like a, a criticism, but the, the the full matter of it is, yeah, de- different guys have stepped up, but have you had the consistency across the board? When you do have, you know, Jalen Anderson leading you or Bashir Jihad leading you or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the, the comment of it being both ends of the floor, I think, is, you know, certainly interesting there because, um, you know, defensively they played some of their best basketball. But um, I don't know if it's made up for some of the issues offensively and then vice versa. When, you know, when, when, you know you're, you're playing good, solid defense, is it enough Um you know, to make up for it offensively. So you're in a little bit of a midpoint right now. And just like the women's basketball team, Ball State men's basketball doesn't have a matchup until Saturday. So they've got the, uh, the, the a matchup with Miami of Ohio. They as well are on the road against a team that already beat them uh, at one point this season. And I don't want to say you're searching uh, because I, I feel like you know that it's there. You know you that this team is capable of 
you know, making some things happen and, and, and capable of competing with those top teams in the Mid-American Conference. Heck, they've done that against Akron. They, they, they've done that against Toledo. So that's not really the issue. Like, how do you put your hand and, and fix consistency? How do you uh, figure out consistency? And that is a very tough thing to happen because consistency is fixed by, you know, when you make a mistake, don't make it again and keep taking steps of progress up the ladder a little bit. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it feels like you've taken a couple steps forward, then one back, then two steps back and one step forward. And it, it, that's been a little bit tough to navigate. That being said, seven games left in Mid-American Conference play. You, you have an opportunity to put yourself in the conference tournament. Right now, you'd be the first out. Uh, you're at 4-7 and seven overall in the Mid-American Conference and 12-12 twelve and 12 overall. The overall record really doesn't matter. It's really what, what occurs in conference play. So uh, this stretch coming up, a couple of uh, back-to-back road games, Miami of Ohio Saturday and then Tuesday of next week against Northern Illinois. Um, interesting there. I think they're both winnable games. I think clearly the first time you play Northern Illinois or Miami of Ohio shows that, and you beat Northern Illinois. So uh, there's opportunities to be had there. And I think this is what your hope is. And again, it's it's kind of holding on to hope, but that's that's what you've got right now is are you a team that is just going to develop uh, here at the end of the season? Because naturally, it's like a tidal wave, right? You, you, you want to get your feet wet in non-conference play, then really hit your stride in the middle of conference play and know exactly who you are at the end. I think at the end of the day right now, there's still some figuring out of who this team actually is. Um, that's kind of how it seems, that you don't know kind of what you're going to get. And there's stretches of really good, but there's stretches of, man, didn't we, didn't we move past that type of thing? And so seven games to play, and look, you've got a real opportunity to get in the dance, um, get in the Mid-American Conference, that is, uh, tournament. Um, there's three teams above you at five and six. You're four and seven in conference. There, there's a lot there. I mean, there's, there's still a lot to be played there. And pretty much every team that's above you, um, you know, you're going to see Kent State, Miami of Ohio, Western Michigan again. And so it – really heightens those head-to-head matchups even more so uh, than ever. So uh, the schedule goes as this, Miami of Ohio on Saturday, next Tuesday at Northern Illinois. Then you have three of four at home with Eastern Michigan. Uh, Then you're at Central Michigan, then home uh, against Western and Kent State before you end the regular season at Bowling Green. Um, You know, as we go through the week, I'm sure there will be a particular number uh, that you're trying to look at here. But at the end of the day, um, I, you've got to be above 500 in these seven games. I think that's, that, that's, that's probably where you need to be. Um, something like four and three or five and two, probably realistic there. Um, who knows? It's, it, it, it's, this is going to be interesting. And look, it, um, when you are – Playing what I would describe as urgency basketball, does that change things? Like, does that um, heighten the intensity or does it heighten the nerves? And, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's uh, the different teams have different mentalities. 
And so, you know, you got to look at that and, and see where everything is at to uh, kind of figure around what's going to make you the most successful right now. And you're so late in the season here, I would imagine you've tried everything. And that's probably part of the frustration is, you know, you're in the last month or three to four weeks of the season and you still don't quite know what's going to happen on a nightly basis with your basketball team. That, that's got to be uh, a little frustrating. It, it absolutely does. But I, I do think this team is capable of getting in the Mid-American Conference Tournament and being a problem for teams at the top. And you know what? At this point, that's kind of what you would hope for It's just get in, and it doesn't matter who you play. You know, you play you know whoever you need to play. Um, to get there. And by the way, uh, there's buys associated in the Mid-American Conference Tournament, so you wouldn't necessarily see Akron or Toledo right away. But anyway, um, you know, we're kind of getting ahead of, uh, ahead of ourselves there. But there are, you know, the, 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 these seven games are going to decide it, and there's urgency basketball, and I think that'll make it a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to follow along. I mean, that's kind of kind of what you want. So uh, Ball State again, uh, Ball State men's basketball off uh, for the rest of the week until they have their Saturday matchup at Miami of Ohio. Very soon similar uh, to the women's basketball schedule as well. So that's what's going on from a Ball State sports perspective. Saw gymnastics was in action. Softball. uh, Baseball is going to get going this week. We'll be joined by uh, Ball State baseball coach Rich Maloney. Uh, He'll be with us on Wednesday. Always great uh, to catch up with Coach there. Um, And from a Super Bowl angle for uh, Ball State, how about this? Uh, cornerback Nick Jones, the rookie, uh, played on Ball State's team last year, uh, was a special team slash reserve cornerback for the team. He is now a Super Bowl champion. Kind of cool uh, to see him, um, you know, on the uh, turf with all the confetti and all that stuff. And there were several pictures that circulated around of him. Um, in all the emotions of winning a Super Bowl, what a run it's been for Nick Jones. And he's been a very key special teams member for that football team. Uh, really big congratulations to him and a good little spotlight there for the university, for Ball State University for sure. So, all right, uh, when we come back, let's talk a little bit of basketball. Uh, this is a big week, All-Star week for Indianapolis as they host the uh, NBA All-Star Game coming up. All right, uh, we'll be back after this power. Talk about see the new WMUN. Yes, we're brought to you in part by State Farm agent Jason May. Make sure you get all the discounts you deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. Glad you're with us on the program. Calls welcome at 765-287-1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter as well. It is NBA All-Star Game Week for uh, the city of Indianapolis and Look, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me this question, like, what does this really mean? And ultimately, it's the it's a it's a way pared down Super Bowl week or, or Super Bowl couple of weeks for sure. There's there's zero question about that. There there's not a lot going on, uh, you know, like like the Super Bowl, obviously, but it brings. A lot of attention. Uh, it brings entertainment. It brings um, you know economic revenue uh, to the city, to state, um, and gives a lot of people around here the opportunity to see uh, a lot of these players, teams, whatever. Um, you know, as far as the game itself, like th- th- this is 
in my opinion, why All-Star games probably will not totally go away. Um, I don't know if Major League Baseball might do something else or whatever the case may be. But um, I, I, I think the NBA has tried because, really, um, the Super Bowl does it very well because you have one game. You have a singular event. It, it's it's one event. It's not a series of games. Like, you're not going to be able to have the NBA have the impact like the Super Bowl does because they, they their seven-game series could last two and a half weeks. So this is the NBA's version of having a one-time event that is almost an NBA convention. Now, the NFL has a lot of conventions. They've got the Combine that's a big deal. They've got the Draft that's a big deal. Uh, They've got Super Bowl week that's a big deal. So they have multiple, multiple things that they can capitalize on. I don't know if the NBA All-Star Games anywhere close to that, but it is their one shot to kind of do that. It's their one shot to kind of do that. So that it's nice that there's a you know the center of the basketball universe if you will for a week is just that in the city of Indianapolis now from a participation standpoint for the Indiana Pacers I am curious how much Tyrese Albertan will be involved how the the Pacers stagger maybe his minutes or whatever the case may be I know I've been curious about that and I've asked Pat Pat Boylan for the Pacers radio network a lot about this and you know we'll we'll, we'll see how it all ends up playing out Uh, the fact of the matter is I I will say this from the NBA all-star perspective okay if this was two years ago which wasn't it two years ago that the Pacers were, or the, the um, um, Gamebridge Fieldhouse was supposed to host this? Wasn't it because of COVID it was moved back? I'm pretty sure that's the case. But the impact of having the all-star game and festivities with a team that wasn't really competitive wouldn't mean as much to the state slash city if their particular team wasn't competitive so I do think that there's a correlation that it is good timing that the Pacers are actually relevant and certainly have a star Um, this week could actually um, you know uh, could could actually um, be a big deal for the Indiana Pacers because when you get all these stars together just like when Tyrese Halliburton played for Team USA okay he's around all these guys he gets to know them he becomes almost a spokesperson for the team and that's how All-Star Weekend could be because it's been very very public out there that the Pacers would not like to be done that they would like to add a third level star to the Halliburton-Pascal-Siakam combo. And I know the reports have been out there about Paul George being interested and yada, 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 but I'm not even worried about Paul George. I'm worried uh, about some of these other potentials out there. And like we said before, the young assets you still have control of to make a move again if you want to do it again. And do you know when these conversations start? They start at at, 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 uh, groupings like this. I think it was talked about before that the first conversation that Kevin Durant had uh, possibly going to Brooklyn 
was actually at the NBA All-Star Game when playing with Kyrie Irving. I know that's a different example, and maybe that's maybe too high level for what could be expected here. But Tyrese Halliburton's presence at, at, at events like this do matter. You may think this whole conversation is silly, but it actually does matter. It, it really, really does. It, it, it has been chronicled before that this happens a lot. I mean, this happens at any function where guys get together, the Team USA's, the NBA All-Star Games, the uh, NBA Draft even sometimes, where you can have these conversations. The NBA Draft Combine, not necessarily the case. But anyway, that's where this could be significant and be beneficial for the Pacers. But, hey, I'll just say this. It's great to have big-time sporting events in, in, in the state of Indiana, Indianapolis, wherever. Um, I love it. I love the fact that the NCAA tournament is going to be here as well. That's why it's going to push back the um, state boys basketball championships at Gamebridge Fieldhouse back a little bit like the more events you can have in the state of Indiana it's great they did great for the Super Bowl they'll do great for this one and um, it's neat to be able to talk about it being in your own state and now I don't think I'll be uh, heading down for any of the festivities I I thought about it I thought it'd be cool to be a part of it Uh, but just yeah you know, I'll just watch it from a distance and see how it all plays out. So anyway, should be uh, should be an interesting week for uh, downtown Indianapolis, having uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse be the front and center of the NBA All-Star Weekend. So, all right, uh, when we come back, we'll give you an idea of our coverage plans throughout the week. We've got a lot going on this week from a high school sports standpoint for sure. We'll get to that when we return. Power Talk about CWMUN. Yes, back for a final time. Brought to you in part by Sheriff Gosselin Roofing. Your roof is there to protect your family. Make sure you're doing all you can to protect them. Sheriff Gosselin Roofing has been helping families for generations. Remember to call Pete Dahlia or look them up at worryfreeroof.com. High school basketball tomorrow night. As Muncie Central visits Yorktown, Tuesday night high school basketball, Rick Johnston, Rob Fisher will be on the call tomorrow evening, uh, live from Yorktown High School, 7 o'clock pregame. And then Saturday, Yorktown will travel to Wapahani. That game right here on the Tonka Muncie, the new WMUN as well. And uh, should be a great matchup uh, between two teams that uh, played each other. Uh, in the Delaware County Tournament as well. So um, good good matchups all week long. We've got two weeks left of the high school basketball regular season, if you can believe it or not. It's uh, wild how things have gone extremely quickly, and we are at that point where tournament time is certainly the topic of conversation. I want to bring this up tomorrow, but um, when you see heated moments on the sidelines in big-time sporting events, of course, well, talk about Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. We might get to a little bit of that coming up on tomorrow's show. So we're back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place, 4 o'clock. Have a great evening. Hope you had a good weekend. We'll talk to you at 4 tomorrow.